Good morning, good morning. Let's, uh, let's dive in. It's good to see y'all. I said y'all. I was super Southern. Y'all. What's up, y'all? Um, no, it's so good to see you all. See, I went Northern. I went Yankee on there. I'm one of those guys. I'm from Tampa, and so there's like a bunch of Yankees, and I, but I grew up in like the redneck side of Tampa, so like I feel like I just, my accent changes based on who I'm talking to. Scripture says something about that, be all things to all men, so I'm just working my accents. Uh, no, I'm really glad you're here, excited about what God's doing in the house. Man, what a powerful time just to be in his presence. I don't, I don't know all of your journeys. I, I've been able to do life with, with many of you for, for years now. Um, some of you were just starting relationships, and I don't know your story, but I just want you to know the power of worship in his presence no matter what you're going through, no matter where you find yourself, you can just enter into the powerful name of Jesus and his presence, and he is there with you. And uh, he says that when we're gathered together, something, something happens. So he, so he told us to never like forsake this gathering because God works in us so deeply when we come and we just open ourselves up to what he wants to do and to fellowship with one another. We never know what someone else is going to pour into us. I think that's the amazing thing. Some of the greatest things that, that God does don't happen in the service. They happen before and after the service when we're connecting with one another. And somebody just says, hey, let me pray with you. And we just get in and like, man, I needed that encouragement today. Thank you. And so uh, you get out of community what you put into it. And so we've launched anchor groups. I pray that many of you and most of you are jumping into those and just finding a place to do life together because you you get out what you put in. And at some point, even if it's not this season, you're going to need it. And so make sure you're building that foundation of community, not just in trust in the Lord. So uh, speaking of gathering, here in a couple of weeks, we announced last week that on the last Sunday of September, we are moving to two services. We've got a nice, beautiful crowd today, and you can tell, like, we're going to give you a little more flexibility in your schedules and your calendars, which is exciting. Yeah, we can celebrate that. We're excited about that. Come on. Yeah, and so at the end of this month, September 30th, there's going to be two different opportunities for worship on Sundays, and so if you're hitting the Jags game, that one o'clock game, you'll have a little more time to do the tailgating thing, you know, hit the early service, you know? And so uh, we're just excited about what this is going to mean for so many reasons. One, it's going to allow us to really invite people and, and really feel comfortable about doing that, that knowing that there's, there's plenty of space in all environments. It's going to allow ministry to just be more efficient and effective in becoming who we are. Uh, to love people unconditionally right where they're at, to, to experience authentic community and relationships, to serve one another selflessly, and, and uh, to have this divine vision that we see what God sees in people, not what we as in our flesh want to see in people, but what we look on as God looks on. So I hope you'll just dive into this season with us. We're really excited about that. With, with, uh, with growth comes change, with change comes loss, and with loss comes pain. So there's some painful things of um, it's not 10.30 anymore, and that's kind of messing up schedules, but it's, got, it's going to be a good season, and we believe it's going to help the mission go forward, so we're excited about it. Today, after service, if you serve anywhere, or you say, hey, uh, I'm not serving currently, but I, I'd like to start serving, we've got lunch taken care of, so check that off your list, unless you've got a crock pot going and it's going to burn, we got your lunch today. So right after service, uh, we'd love for you to just uh, find, find a place to get connected. We're going to just be together as a family, and just really, it's a party, really, after this to connect with one another, to build one another up, and then I'll just be sharing briefly on the vision and, and hopefully getting 
some folks on-ramp to that. I think we're, we're really in need in, in two main areas uh, for people to be on-ramped. It's in our guest services and our kids, and so there's lots of different ways you can help in that. If you're, you're scared of older kids, you can hang out with younger kids. If you're afraid of younger kids, you can, you know, be an usher and help open the doors and make sure that the finances get uh, appropriately taken care of. And there's lots of ways you can help, no matter what your personality is, so don't let that be an excuse. Lean in. I think we still need about 10 or 12 to jump on these two teams uh, total. So, so we'd really love to see you get connected in the area of passion that kind of fits for you, and uh, we'll work out what works with your schedule with all of our team leaders. So stick around today. Today's going to be fun. Got, got, some, uh, got some Pizza Hut coming and a cookie cake. Who doesn't love cookie cake? You guys know I love cookie cake, so you know I chose that. So, hey, we're going to dive into the scriptures. The past couple of weeks, we, we started this series called Stretch Marks, and uh, I just shared the quote that's kind of been reverberating for the past couple of weeks as we've, we've talked about this with one another, um, that there's no growth without change, there's no change without loss, and there's no loss without pain. And we've just been processing this season of growth in our life and in our church. And uh, last week, we talked about living in the truth and how important it is that we are people of integrity who aren't lying and who aren't blaming others, but we're owning uh, our, our responsibilities and, and, and owning up to it. And today, really the third portion of this series is uh, if we're going to grow, we, we not only have to, to be willing to change and be willing to, to face the truth, but we've got to be willing to be disciplined. And when, when we talk about discipline, like most of you, when you hear the word, you have like flashbacks of getting like spankings as a child. Anybody else, right? That was dis- so discipline meant to me. Um, and my dad did it um, pretty regularly so that um, by the time I grew up, I didn't need it no more. So um, uh, we'll save that conversation for a parenting you know, conference sometime. But um, uh, God's been so good into teaching me what real, real discipline is. And, and I feel like this is an area where we need to hear this. Um, but I, I don't want to talk about external discipline. I don't want to talk about, I want to talk about internal discipline, right? Because the more we understand internal discipline, the less we're going to need external discipline. If you show up on time, your boss is never going to have to get on to you <laughs> for being late, you know? So let's, let's talk about internal discipline. And to do that, I want to go to Genesis chapter 22. And just kind of as a simple kind of definition for us on, on discipline, how I want us to see this today is it's delighting in obedience, even when it's hard. Discipline is to delight in obedience, even when it's hard. Um, And so I want to turn to Genesis chapter 22. Some of you will be familiar with this text. I'm going to read 18 verses. Can you guys hang in there with me for 18 verses? Right, I'll stop at 18 verses. But we're just going to read it, and then I just want to like share my heart for you, what God's taught me out of this text, out of the life of Abraham. Uh, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. Everybody just say, whoa. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey. He took with him uh, two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. 
Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up, and he said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? When they reached the place God had to, uh, told him about, Abraham built an altar there uh, and arranged the wood on top of it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And, and then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything uh, to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns and, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it uh, as a burnt offering instead of his, his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on this, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. You don't have to like swear to God when you are God. You just say, I swear by myself. Um, (laughs) I swear by myself, declares the, the Lord, that because you've done this, because you've done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely... Bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. There's so much here. What a rich encounter with God. What a rich step of obedience and faith to do the hard things, to even delight in such a hard thing. I just want to share my heart, and hopefully it's going to really help us on the practical parts of life and, and moving forward in what God's called us to do. The first thing I, I really was compelled by here right away in verse 1 is that God was testing Abraham. And he, I want you to know this, that, that God will test you, but he will never tempt you. The book of James really tells us that God can't tempt, like he can't, because temptation has to do with pushing you towards evil. And so we are never tempted by God. We are tested by God, but we're never tempted by God. In testing, God is drawing us close. In tempting, the enemy is trying to lead us astray. God allows these opportunities to be a test for us. And God will test us for a number of reasons. God will test us first to humble us. Because we might think that we are further along than what we actually are. Come on, how many of you ever got a rude awakening? Like, I, I thought I had this figured out last year, God. Like, here I am again, having to learn the same lesson. God will do it to humble us. Secondly, he'll do it to refine us. He'll test us to refine us. Because we're not prepared for what he's got next. We're not prepared for it. I love how the psalmist said it in Psalm uh, 60 and 11. He, he says, uh, but you, God, you, uh, refi- uh, you've tested me. You refined me like silver. That, that it's within the, the fire that we are tested. 
and refine for what's coming next. I think of the life of David, and, and he had to, to face some lions and bears before he could be ready for Goliath. He was refined in those seasons when nobody saw him in the field. I'm, I'm reminded of David when he's running from a mad king, but you've got to go through a season of running from a mad king before you can sit as king, as David did. I'm not saying we're going to be kings, but you know what I'm saying there. That God, that God prepares us and he refines us for what's ahead. And thirdly, he, he uh, tests us to encourage others because it's not all about us. And I think many times, why, I mean, can, can we just begin to, to like zoom out and see a godly perspective that God might allow something to happen in our life or, or bring a, a season or a day of testing so that someone else might be encouraged by it? There's been some families like that in our life. Um, even recently, one of our, our uh, friends there, they've got like five kids, and, and uh, one of them has had cancer, and uh, two of the boys, and another one's battling something now to do with cancer, and they're all very young, under 10 years old. And, and another one has, um, uh, the, or two of the kids got in a, a terrible car accident, and they were like life-flighted and hanging on. And just to see their faith poured out in this season, that, that praying that God would bring glory to his name through this and just trusting him, was so encouraging to anyone that was following them through social media and, and just in their life. It was so encouraging. And I'm guessing you've come across somebody like that. Like, I don't know how you've lived through that, and, and you're standing here today, and it encourages us because sometimes God tests us, and it has nothing to do with us. It's really about somebody else along the way that God's going to speak in. And, and I think a lot of us, we'd rather not be tested, but how will we know we've ever grown if we're never tested? <laughs> Beckett was a little bit overwhelmed on Friday because he had a spelling test and a math test and a science test, and it's kind of just the beginning of the week, and they're little quizzes. They're, they're, they're not even like weighted probably in his grade, but he was a little bit overwhelmed by it, and I think we want to push away from these, but how are we going to know you're progressing? How are we going to know you're grasping the concepts unless we're tested? And, and we don't mind tests if we have time to prepare for them. What's the worst kind of test? The pop quiz, right? We don't like those, and so many times it comes unexpected when we think we're okay because we think we're further along. When we think we're ready for the next season, and God's like, nope, i got to get you a little more ready <laughs> than, than what you are right now. And those pop quizzes, they can hurt us. The second thing I see in verse 2, like just jumping right into it, God says, go to this area, this region of Moriah, and I'll show you where to do this hard thing that I've asked you to do to sacrifice your son. I'll show you. Every detail is not going to be revealed up front. He, he, he got the direction that he was supposed to go, but he didn't have his final destination, nor did he have his final provision. And I'd say the same thing in our lives. Everything's not going to be revealed, but, but we can't just sit back because it's not. We don't have all the details yet. We still need to follow God faithfully in the next steps. And if you get overwhelmed by the final destination and provision, just focus on your direction. Because Abraham was focused on his direction. And I think that's just a simple word, but just, just know it. We've just got to know it. I'm not going to have all the details up front. And so I, I, but most of the time, we want all the details up front. We, we want to have it all figured out. We want the provision to happen at the beginning of the month, not at the end of the month. Come on. <laughs> you know? We wanted to come two weeks before that bill needs to be paid, not right the day before it needs to be paid. But God is faithful just like he was with Abraham to show up in 
the moment. We'll talk more about that. I think verse 3 is, is one of my favorite verses in all this text, and I'm guessing most of us, we just like zoomed by it, but it's one of my favorite because it speaks something deeply about Abraham's character. Just put yourself in this situation for a second. And you're having to do the literal unthinkable that God has asked you to do. Just the unthinkable. To, to bring your son and tie him down to be sacrificed by you. I mean, it's absolutely horrible to even fathom and think about, but... I think what leads up to this begins to reveal something about Abraham's faith. There's a lot that reveals his faith in this, right? I, I think first it, what I notice is that he gets up early in the morning. How many times when you know you've got something hard to do, you kind of have a choice? Do I just jump on this or do I kind of procrastinate and I just kind of beat around the bush and I'm just going to wait, I'm going to sleep in, hope it rains and then I don't have to do the yard? <laughs> Anybody ever do that? Like I'm just going to sleep in a little bit and then it's like, oh darn, can't do, the, can't do the yard today. We're just so sad about it. Most of us, if we have to do hard things, we want to push it off. But I, I see something deep about Abraham's faith and his character here. He has a, has a genuine resolve. He's resolute of mind to get up early in the morning to do the hard thing. For me, that's how I look at it. Like early in the week, I want to do the hardest things I, I need to do early in the day. Like if I'm going to go on a run, I want to go first thing in the morning because I know I'm going to be too tired at the end of it. And, and Abraham here reveals this resolve and this resolute character in him. Uh, re, uh, resolve or to be resolute means to have um, a, a firm establishment or a, a firm action um, to, to, to finish something or to accomplish something. Like it's, it's a firm decision, a firm direction to accomplish this given thing that God's asked us to. And we started this series by, by saying, hey, what, what, what's God calling you to, what change is he calling you to make that you know you need to make, maybe you've put off, and maybe in this moment during the series, he's revealed the hard thing that He's calling you to change, but we've got to have a resolve to do it. And I think oftentimes we make, we kind of make this a personality thing um, when when we uh, put things off, and it's not. It's a passion issue, not a personality issue. It's a, it's a priority issue, not a, not a passion issue. And, and God reveals this here. Isaiah uses this phrase. Um, and he says, I have set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Anybody know what a flint is? Right? It's, a, it's a hard stone, and if you strike it, you, you strike it with steel. And I've set my face like a flint, and I know, I, I want you to hear this when it comes to being resolute and ha- having a resolve within us to accomplish the hard things that God's called us to do. I think most of us, because that, that, that flint is, is really opposition in our life. And when we see opposition coming on, we think that God is trying to dull our blade. We think that God is trying to hold us back. He's trying to beat us down. And we think he's trying to dull our blade when in fact it is the opposition and the striking of the steel that creates a spark and it sharpens the blade. The opposition is not there to dull your blade, it's to sharpen your blade. It's not there to kill your spark, it's to ignite your spark. And so when you see opposition, you've got to see it differently, that God's not trying to, to take you down through this, he's trying to take you up through this. 
And so we've just got to have this resolve. But so many of us, like Abraham, he said, here I am. And I just wonder, when we say, here I am to God, do we mean the same thing that Abraham does? That I'll do whatever you ask me to do, God. Not I'll do everything you ask me to do unless it's fill in the blank. Unless it's to that city. Unless it's to that country. Unless it's talking to people over there. I'll do whatever you ask. And, and, and Abraham's word was, was, uh, was true here. Secondly, that pops out in, just in verse 3 is he got up and, and he saddled his donkey and he chopped the wood. I just put myself in this place of chopping the wood, saddling the donkey, not that big a deal because it can be on the donkey and I can never get on it. Chopping the wood for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a man thing, but for whatever reason, I would just be sobbing chopping this wood, knowing what this wood would be used for. I, I just, I can't fathom the intensity of this moment for him, but to do this spoke volumes to me of his faith and that he was willing to diligently prepare himself for the hard thing that God had asked him to do. It, it's, it's not just saying, yeah, I'm going to do it and not being willing to take the diligent steps to do the hard thing. And, and both reveal faith, the resolve to get up early in the morning. And, and so I just wonder in our lives for the hard thing that God has asked us to do. Maybe it's a, a vision or a ministry down the road that you feel like God's called us to do are you, or a career he's called you to, to shift into or to step into. What's the diligent preparation? What's your saddling of the donkey? What's your cutting of the wood, the diligent preparation that I'm going to begin to chop this wood and it's not going to get used for two days for this travels, but I'm just going to keep chopping it and I'm going to saddle the donkey. I wonder what our saddling of the donkey, the chopping of the wood for the hard things that God calls us to. And then lastly, he sets out, right? That sounds so simple. Duh, he set out. Yeah, but that's where a lot of us stop, like, yeah, I got him all in. Here I am. What's your hard work? Like, oh, okay, well, I'm still going to wake up early and I'm still going to do this and we'll do it kind of begrudgingly. And then we just get to the starting line and I'm like, I can't do it. And I think a lot of times we think the first step is the hardest, but I want you to just adapt to a new reality. The first step is it's the hardest step you've had so far, but it's not your hardest step. They're all hard. <laughs> So just adapt to the new reality of walking with Jesus in, in faith and in obedience that all the steps are going to be hard, not just the first one. That's just the hardest one you've had so far. In fact, they don't get easier. They get harder because, uh, you know, as we've been raising money for this uh, renovation um, project, and I'll update you on that uh, a little later, but um, as we've been doing that, and I knew we had to raise like a couple hundred thousand dollars or something, and, and it just hit me as I was kind of overwhelmed by that thought that this will be the least amount of money I ever have to raise again. <laughs> because next time we go to do something like this, you know how much I'm going to have to raise? Probably 10 times that. You know, that we're going to have to raise. I'm not doing it alone. We're doing it together, right? Um, it's, it's the least amount. So, so why it was a big step for me now, it's not the biggest step. It's actually one of the smallest I'll ever have again. Um, and so we've got to have that follow through. I think all this speaks to the character of people who will obey him at whatever the cost, whatever it means. Uh, the fourth thing I, I really see revealed here, and I see it throughout the text, which is just, it really lights up to me throughout the text, is Abraham's faith revealed through what he said. 
And so I would tell you, speak in faith at every single step. It's so easy at the beginning to speak high in faith, but when you are standing on the mountain, when you're now telling other people what's happening, it's, it gets harder and harder to continue to speak in faith. But Abraham believed God from the beginning to the very end, and God showed up. We've got to speak in faith. I mean, oh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, yeah. Um, we, we've got to know deeply within ourselves. And we see this throughout the scriptures that, that the heart is tethered to the tongue and the tongue is tethered to the heart. Uh, J- James chapter 3 says, describes the tongue as like a little rudder in a boat. That it's small, but it can steer the whole ship, right? Anybody sitting next to somebody who their rudder steers the ship too often? Go ahead and just like... <laughs> <laughs> right? Our, our tongues, our mouths get us in trouble. And I just wonder if we begin to listen to ourselves, if we've gotten ourselves in trouble, we've been saying it. And, and just think about that. Just think of a string tied to your mouth and to your heart. That's what the scriptures teach us. That's what the scriptures teach us. And, and, and Abraham uh, turns to his servants that are with him and he says, we'll be back. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to go worship. We're going to come back. Not just me, me, me and him. We're coming back. And then he, he says it again in the hardest one. I could hear it in the room when I read this part of the scripture, the hardest part. Hey, hey, dad, where, where's, where's the ram? Whew, like that, just, that just hits you so heavy. It's like, have mercy, buddy. And what did he say? God will provide it. I just wish some of us, like God, would just let this get into our heart, that the next time an obstacle, next time we have to set out without seeing the final destination or having the final provision, we would just have it in us to speak in faith, not because we're crazy or we're not connected to reality, because just wait five minutes and you'll be connected back to reality, but it's to keep saying that, because what I think is interesting about this text is at the very beginning, God, God says, Abraham, he asked him what to do. And he doesn't say his name for a long time till he gets there. Like most of us, we want to hear confirmation. God, where are you at now? I just need to wait. That sounds crazy. I probably need to wait. Let's confirm this. Would God ask me to do that? I don't know. Did he? You know? We, we want to get confirmation on something like this. But God speaks at the beginning. He doesn't speak again till right when he is providing for him. So right when it happens, and, and that's what many times happens with us. He's already told us what to do, and we just want to keep confirming it. Keep no, he's already told us what to do. Like, and we keep looking for our next assignment, and he's not going to give you your next assignment until you obey the last one he told you to do. He's not going to move you on to the next thing until you obey the last thing. And, and so that's why I think it's so important in the middle so important in the middle to speak in faith. That's why God's word is not something to check off of our to-do list, but it's to have hidden in our heart and to speak the truth out of our mouth. And, and it's hidden there and to keep speaking it over ourselves even when we have trouble believing it. That's when we need it even more. Even when we're struggling with the reality of a difficult text or, or something, a, a challenging season. We've got to speak in faith at, at every step. And, and God shows up. For Abraham. He shows up for Abraham and he provides a ram. You probably don't need a ram today. 
I doubt you need a ram. Anybody need a ram? I don't think so. Um, but he provides exactly what he needed to do what God had asked him to do, which is to, to bring a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And we, we may not need a, a ram, but there's probably, there's probably a need that's not met in our life right now. I, I don't know what that might be. I don't know if that's a freedom from a certain addiction or sin. I don't know if that's a friendship, that there's just a gap there. Like, you just know, like, you're just lonely and you just need a friend. I don't know what your gap is. I don't know if it's a financial need or what it might be. But God can provide, and he already has provided. He's already provided. I mean, you can't look at this text and not connect it to Jesus Christ. And what God is saying not even about Abraham or his life, what he's saying about himself. He, 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 this crazy story, why would God even do something like this? Because I think most of us like, think this boy probably needed a lot of counseling. <laughs> Afterwards, as his dad straps him down, like we think we need counseling. Like Isaac needed to sit down with a counselor and talk about what happened that day. But um, I, I think that it probably transformed him in ways that we can't ever understand. Um, but God's going to provide. He's provided through Christ already. He, he showed up. And when we were helpless, when we were powerless, God showed up and he had his way. Um, most of us, we, we want and we question God's timing. And, and we think questioning God's timing is not the same thing as questioning his character. But it is. It's the same. When I trust him, I, I, I trust him. I don't trust him when he does it on my timetable. I, I trust him, period. And I think a lot of times we can kind of reason, like, I just don't understand why. And it goes back to what we were talking about last week. The biggest lie we believe is that God does not love us and he is not for us. When we start with that truth, going back to Genesis 3, that God's trying to hide something from us, he's trying to keep something from us. When we come back to the truth that he loves us and he's for us, I I don't have to to, to doubt. I don't have to waffle back and forth. I can be resolute of mind. Even if I don't see the results, even if I don't see the final provision yet, I can keep saying the truth. We're going to come back. Son, God's going to provide it all the way up till I get to the moment. And God provides a ram that just happens to get his horns caught, not over there, but right there. I love that it happened right behind him. If you study the Greek, it happened right behind him. Who knows when it happened? But while you can't see it, like at the very last minute, God's preparing it. And he'll, he'll, he'll stop you and he'll speak to you. And when he said your name once before, he'll say it twice on the second side. Abraham, Abraham, don't you lay your hand on your son. I've provided for you. It's already there. The, the last thing here, and the band can come and we're, we're going to pray. And this, this moves me, this, this text, because I can just begin to think about the things that God's asked us to do. That your obedience and your faithfulness will reap blessings to future generations. Your obedience and your faithfulness will reap blessings to future generations. There's one phrase, if you've got a text that you're, you're writing in or something to highlight, these words... Because you have done this. 
because you've done this. Um, I just think about our journey planting this church and um, what it looked like for us. For a whole year leading up to our transition down here, we didn't know where God was taking us. We didn't know what we were going to do. We just had this phrase that God is taking us to a land that he will show us. And for a year, we just processed this text in our own life. God's taking us somewhere. We just don't know what it is. We told our pastor, like, we don't know if this is like something that he's going to do here and he's transitioning or he's waking up a dream in our heart and we just couldn't see it. Um, but this year-long process and, and what um, that, that season of just waiting and, and, and waiting for the time and setting some preparation and conversations and play and, and eventually it, it got to a place and, um, where we had to set out. So no more time for diligent preparation. It was time to set out and, and leave and, and we did that and, and uh, hearing you share your story, Lee, this morning, um, it, it's not about us. It's about what God's done in your life 100%. Um, but that's something that's followed uh, because you've done this in my life. Um, and I, and I'm, hum, I'm humbled by that. I'm not saying that in a, a whatever way. I'm humbled by that. Like, and, and I just wonder across this room, what's on the other side of your because you've done this? Oh, what's on the other side of because you've done this? Because you've not withheld the son you love. And I just wonder in this room what we're withholding from God. There's a story of this rich young ruler in the New Testament, and he comes to Jesus and says, What must I do um, to inherit the kingdom? What must I do to be saved? And God, Jesus tells him to do something extremely hard. Do you guys, anybody know what, what this is? He goes, sell everything you've got. Was that, did that have anything to do with a formula for salvation or to get to heaven? No. What did that have to do with? It had to do with his heart. You love a lot of things more than you love me. And it shows. It shows by what I say. It shows by what I prepare. It shows by the excuses I make. It, 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 sh- it shows. And God's got a blessing, not, not just for future generations, but in this generation that you will see in a couple of years' time if you'll be faithful, if you'll be obedient when seasons, when it doesn't make sense, when you don't have the final destination, when you don't have the final perfect, if you'll just be faithful in it. You're going to see it in this lifetime, some things, but sometimes you won't see the promised land like Moses didn't see the promised land. I wonder what's on the other side of our, because you've done this. I, I wonder in our lives, and, and let me help you work through this for just a second, and, and I'm going to close. We wonder, what is it, God? What is that thing that that's maybe I'm withholding from you? What's that thing that I love more than you? Because there's nothing in this life. Because if you know the rest of Abraham's story, he was an old man, and God had given him a promise, and it took a long time for it to be fulfilled. And it wasn't even fulfilled how he thought it would be fulfilled, and he messed up along the way. He got impatient along the way, so you can go back and read Genesis 12 through 22 if you want. But he kept taking the next step and he gets to this place and God tests him on the thing that he loves the most, his son, his only son. 
And I just, what's in that blank for us? What's the thing we love the most? Let me ask you a couple of questions. What do you worry about the most? What do you think about the most? What do you get frustrated and stressed out about the most? What do you fear the most? Like, let those questions begin to simmer in. What fills our worry? What fills our stress? What fills our time? What fills our checking account? It can be revealed by many questions. What do we love the most? I I don't know in our life, but I, I know all of us. There's probably something that we're just withholding from God. I won't give you this. I won't give you that. And there is something on the other side of because you've done this, a miracle in which you will get to experience his goodness if we'll set out. If we will resolve in our mind, God, I'll do what you ask me to do. I will be obedient even when it's hard. And I will delight in that obedience. When I say, here I am, God, I mean it. And I want you to have your way in my life. I Weeks ago, we started this whole conversation and said, what's the change that God's calling you to make? And I'm asking it again. What's the thing he's calling you to make? And maybe you can process this with a a trusted friend in the house. Uh, Maybe you can process this through the week. But I think in this moment, God wants us to to respond to him. He says, God, I don't want to withhold anything from you. Because I've obeyed you future generations have been impacted. I want to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to close this out. I just want every just head bowed for the next couple of minutes. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Can we just open our hearts to God this morning? Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Jesus, the name above every other name. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Sing holy, holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those. God wants to show you who he is. He wants to show you he's good. He wants to show up. He wants to provide. He wants to bring blessings like we can never imagine. But we've got to trust him.
We're never going to know the fullness of his goodness and his character unless we step out. And he's already revealed it. He's already revealed it through Christ. If he never does another thing, he's done enough. This band's going to continue to lead us. I'm going to step aside, and I just want to give you just the entirety of this song to just respond to God. I would challenge some of you, you need to make a physical step that's spiritual for you of setting out from where you've been, of excuse making, of setting out from uh, procrastinating to do the hard things. You need to set out today. And so I I just encourage some of you, you, you probably just need to take a step today. Find yourself here repenting and saying, God, when I say here I am, I mean it. I want to follow you. I'm going to give you these next few minutes just to respond to God. Just let God have his way in your life and just speak this declaration. God, that will build our life on you. Your, your love is a firm foundation in our life. God, you're all we need.